Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. Today's scripture comes from Mark chapter 4, starting with verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us one more time. Uh, God, we are so thankful for you this morning. Uh, we, we are thankful for uh, just the gift of life and friendship and laughter uh, in this room, uh, the sense of community, uh, and the sense of, uh, we thank you for even the courage of those who um, have walked inside the church for the first time in a long time. We thank you, thank you that we are all here, and we stand in solidarity with one another. Um, we pray that you would uh, uh, do something unique today in this moment. I pray that, uh, I ask you to make this moment um, unique for each person here, um, that there would be a time where they um, meet with you, uh, that there is a, a defining moment where your spirit uh, speaks to them, God, we pray. Um, pray for those who, who do not believe here, Lord. We pray that you would uh, meet them, even though they, they're not sure of where they are with you. Or uh, We pray that you would just confound them with yourself, God, that you would whisper to the depths of their soul that you are alive. Um, I pray for those who are hurting and broken this morning. I uh, pray that you would comfort them, that you would meet them and see them. I uh, pray for those who um, sense the sense of judgment of their past uh, or, or harsh judges of themselves of their past, and they're trying to navigate failure um, and are just tired. pray that you would just uh, grab a hold of them today, God, and, and, and set them free. Um, so God, meet us all today. Uh, no matter where we are, uh, pray that you would speak speak clearly. Um, and if you would, uh, would you take a moment of silence to just ask God to do that, ask him to speak to you. God, we love you and um, pray you use this time in your word um, to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Uh, you can have a seat. Um, if you're new here, welcome. My name is Brian, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, so glad you are here. Uh, we are a church seeking to join God as he makes all things new. Amen. Um, and um, in a way of uh, valuing uh, everyone made in the image of God, honoring them, seeking the renewal of the shalom of the city uh, and freedom of the spirit in this place. And uh, as we do that as a community, uh, we are in this series on the gospel of Mark. Uh, and today uh, you saw the passage that we want to teach out of today in which Jesus uh, is asleep in the storm and calms the storm. So, uh, yes, so the, this sermon, t a little bit of a, I want to go a couple of different directions with it, and I think it'll all tie together and make sense. Um, but first, I do want to just address the fact of uh, this passage of, like, the, the storm clearly is uh, often symbolic of uh, the pain and suffering in our lives. 
Uh, I do want to acknowledge that it's Father's Day. That can be a very uh, hard day for some, uh, as many of, us, many of us have lost a father. Um, I know for me, uh, it is a, is a hard day. It's like the two months into planting this church, um, my dad uh, drove 20 hours to Brooklyn to see my brother, uh, got out of his truck, shook his hand, had a heart attack, died, um, and that was five years ago. So Father's Day is a very hard day for many. I just want to acknowledge that. And so uh, through that experience, you know, there's, um, you know, as a pastor, you, you know, I've done, we're a young community. I've probably um, done only, uh, pastoring mostly younger people, I've done probably seven or eight funerals. Um, probably not a whole lot as much as a, most pastors probably do, thankfully. Um, but, you know, there's a difference when you uh, try to comfort someone suffering and you feel like you're a pretty empathetic person, but then when you go through pain and suffering, uh, there's a whole other level of, of acknowledgement, a whole other level of, of, of connection and, and, and patience and, and, and um, presence with someone. And so uh, storms are not fun. Um, it never feels good being thrown around in chaos and turbulence as these disciples were. Uh, we all go through them, and, and suffering's inevitable. I love what uh, Marjorie Proctor Smith she says of this passage, she says, one of the disciples' chief failings is their assumption that they deserve rewards for following Jesus. One of their <laughs> chief failings is the assumption that they deserve rewards for following Jesus. They clearly expect Jesus to protect them from suffering. But the entire movement of the gospel demonstrates the inev- inevitability of suffering. I'm um, like, we will go through suffering. Um, I love what, uh, I think I remember quoting a, a counselor one time that uh, she, you know, she she sees all these patients, and they're always like, I don't want to feel frustrated. I don't want to feel this, feel this pain. I don't want to feel this grief. And she's like, you have dead people's goals. <laughs> because it's only dead people who don't feel those things. And so uh, suffering is inevitable. So I, no matter who you are, statistically in this room, I'm not trying to like fear factor anyone, but statistically, many of us <laughs> will get cancer in this room. Uh, no, it wasn't meant to be funny. But, but <laughs> thank you for the affirmative laughter. Um, that many of us will get cancer in this room. Many of us will, will uh, have relational breakdown in this room. Um, many of us will, will lose loved ones in this room. Um, and, and so that's just a reality. But it's like something that doesn't ever really feel real until it hits you or until it hits someone close to you. Uh, and so, you know, it's, there's one sense that we do everything we can to pro- prolong life. And so I don't care... How, my, how much uh, microgreens you eat or how many like local veggies that you get from a farmer that you know their name from, like suffering's coming. And we can do everything we can to avoid it, but it's, it's here to stay. And it's, last time I checked, it's not going anywhere. Um, but it's something that's really, these storms in life are really hard. And what I think, what I want to talk about today is how I think, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I, I, I've solved the mystery of suffering because I haven't, and I'm with you in this. The, you know, it's, there's a lot of, like, this is a really hard message to preach because everybody's going through a unique situation, and it's hard to, because every suffering sometimes is, is a result of choices. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes, you know, I don't think God's ordaining every single bit of suffering, um, but he's definitely, like, involved in it and, and doing some orchestrating and involved with it. And so there's just so much uniqueness and I think it's just freeing, hopefully it's freeing for you, for a pastor like me or someone with some kind of sense of like Bible person just to say, you know what, I, in the end, I really don't know. <laughs> but what I do know is, is that, that Jesus is the greatest resource to go through suffering. And I think it's like easy for us as Christians sometimes early on to believe, oh, if I'm a Christian, like Christians will go through, le- like it's not like Christians go through less cancer. 
It's not like Christians are less likely to get in a car wreck or even Christians less likely to go through a relational despair, relational brokenness. Like statistically, it's equivalent across the board. It's not like becoming a Christian all of a sudden, you're going to go through less stuff. Actually, you're probably going to go through more. <laughs> and um, when Jesus is in, what I think, one thing suffering will do if we let it is I think it will break us open to other people's suffering. Um, it's kind of like, the uh, best analogy I can think of is like car shopping, you know, um, when you're looking for a car and then, like for example, when Bob, where's Bob pointing over here? He's in the back. When Bob moved to the city, he, he drove up and gave, uh, let us borrow his Acura and then flew back and, and uh, my daughter for the next three months basically counted Acuras on the way to school and just, comp- like I counted 40 Acuras a day. So like every day it was now like we were seeing Acuras everywhere. Never before. It wasn't like all of a sudden there was an explosion revival of Acuras. But, all, but we never noticed them at all. But now all of a sudden we're like, gosh, there's Acuras everywhere. And I think that's what happens when we go through suffering is once you've gone through suffering, once you've gone through the storm, once you've weathered the storm, you're able to see people and go like, oh my gosh, look at the pain and the suffering on their life. I can see it. I haven't even spoken to them. And I can see pain and suffering everywhere I go. And when I look my barista in the face, I see, I see the pain on their face. And, and, you can, and what happens if, if we let it, we, when we are broken through the storm, it allows us to be broken open to others. And that's what I think Jesus is doing in this, is they've been having this successful ministry. Uh, he's called them. Uh, he's been healing people. He's, he's casting out demons. He's, he's uh, doing mira- amazing teaching. And things are going really well. And Jesus intentionally takes them on a boat through a storm, and they're scared to death. And um, I want to st- point that out because the very first phrase is very critical of this passage. Most people don't connect the dots, and I, I didn't even connect the dots. for the. I've taught this passage a couple of times, and I've never noticed the intentionality of this. But it says that uh, on that day when evening come, he said, let us go to the other side. And then later on in the passage, it talks about going to the other side. So uh, geography is very important in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark is crafting like a, a very... Um, a, a, a letter, a case for Jesus to his friends and to his acquaintances. You've got to remember that. Uh, he's, he's painting a picture of a, of a Jesus that, that he wants people to, to believe in, that he is uh, both fully divine and yet fully human. And, and, and he's crafting an, an art form, and we have to remember this, that he intentionally uses this language, go to the other side. Um, all this ministry previously, uh, we have a map here uh, that happened, all the, the healings, the, the teachings, the miracles, all was happening on the, on the east side of Sea of Galilee. And then on the, on the west side is the, called Decapolis. It's the area of the Gentiles. The east side was the Jewish side, and the west side was the Gentile side. And so Jesus is saying, hey, all this has been happening, but now it's time for us to go to the other side. Um, go to this other side. Now, it, what, what's, what's interesting is um, this is a really pivotal moment in the narrative. And um, he's trying to show us this, what this says about God's character. Like, it's God who wants to go to the other side. It says something about who Jesus is and who we are meant to be, this phrase of going to the other side. It was a temptation to call this sermon hello from the other side, but I wasn't going to do that. Um, But Jesus has been doing a lot of things. So like, go to this next slide, uh, this chart. So literally, uh, match for match, Mark is crafting this story. Uh, And then there's an exorcism on on the Jewish side, and then immediately as they cross over the storm, through the storm, he cast out a demon 
we're going to talk about next week. His ministry is growing in popularity. Crowds are following him. Literally, crowds are going to him on the other side. There's, he heals uh, uh, Simon's mother-in-law of a fever. He tells a paralytic man, get up and walk. Then he, on the other side, he's like magnifying that. He, he basically raises a girl from the dead. Uh, there's massive feedings on the Jewish side, and there's the same story of a massive feeding on the Gentile side. Do you see this? Like what Jesus is saying is like what I did for you. I did not come to this life. You think about God came in the form of the flesh as Jesus came and gave his life for us, died for us, was broken, brutally beaten, beard plucked out of his face, and did all that not so that we could stay comfortable on our side. He's saying, I did all this so that you could follow me on my mission and go to the other side. And when you do that, it is going to be stormy. There is going to be suffering. It is going to be hard. It is going to be painful. And so Jesus is, is, is turning history upside down with his life. Uh, he came to end the war that rages against us. He came to end the war of violence, the war of uh, the, he came to end greed, end racism, to heal us, to love us and care for us and fill us with love. And this is the battle he gives us. And so he's like, these disciples, they wanted to get on the boat with Jesus, but they just kind of wanted to like rock by the shore on the east side. They're like, hey, let's just get in the boat with Jesus and we'll just rock safely over here. And he's like, no, 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 if you're going to get in the boat with me, I think this storm is deeply symbolic for the suffering of the ministry that they would endure. That they had to go through suffering in order to be broken up and broken out so that when they encountered the other side and all the suffering and the needs on this side of the, of the, of the, of the sea, that they could then go, we know exactly what it feels like to feel like Jesus is asleep in the midst of the storm and that I'm crying out for him, help me, and there's no answers that I know exactly what it's like to be in the middle of chaos and stress and anxiety and to have God sitting there silently doing nothing, asleep as if this is no big deal. And, and so now they're broken up for ministry because they've been broken by the storm. And so I think um, Jesus is, is preparing them for this ministry. He's expanding their concern. He's expanding their sense of responsibility and their sense of connection. And it says that Jesus was sleeping, which I think is so unusual, right? Because, like, we expect things like, and Jesus rose from the dead, and Jesus healed the person. And we, don't, we, we expect those kind of things. We're used to hearing those things. So it's really weird to hear, and Jesus was sleeping. <laughs> the, 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 just, the disciples woke him saying, save us, we're, we're going to drown here. Like, there's a great storm, and we're going to drown. Don't you even care? Don't you care that we're, we're, we're about to die? And so they, 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 they're like shaking Jesus, wake up. Um, and it's meant to immediately, for the Jewish mind, hark to another story. Does anybody else know of, a, of another story in which um, someone was asleep in a boat in the Old Testament? What's that? Jonah. Yeah, right. It's like the Sunday school question. Like, you're tempted to answer Jesus. It's like my favorite Sunday school joke. It's like the Sunday school teacher asks, like, what's gray and furry and eats nuts? And the kid's like, well, it really sounds like a squirrel, but I'm pretty sure the answer is Jesus. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, it's not a trick question. But yeah, so Jonah is asleep in this boat, and Jonah's on this journey. What is Jonah's journey? 
Where was his journey to? His journey was to go to Nineveh, to the other side, to the people that, to the enemy, to the other, to the people least like him. And he didn't want to do that. So he runs from God and God says, hey, I want you to go Tarshish. And he's like, Tarshish? Yeah, I'm booking a fare this way. And so he gets on a boat going the complete opposite direction. And that the, the, all the language in this story, um, in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, is like so many idiom, Hebrew idioms that are word for word identical to the Jonah story, that there was a great storm and there was, a, there was great fear upon them, all these things. And Jonah's running from God because he doesn't want to go on this mission. He doesn't want to go on the other side. And he's asleep on this boat and a storm comes and, it be, and, and he begins to realize this is his fault. And Jesus is asleep on this boat. And what, what's, what Mark is trying to show us is that Jesus embodies what Jonah should have, should have done. Um, Jesus embodies what Jonah should have been able to do, that he, uh, Jonah's asleep in despondency, that Jesus is asleep in a restful, non-anxious presence as he goes to the other side to pursue people. Jesus is in a, in a sense of, even though the storm is coming, he's completely restful, he's completely um, at peace, and Jesus and the disciples are immediately anxious. And they say, don't you even care? And this level of panic um, we say that all the time to God, right? We say that all the time. Don't you care, God? We signal that to God. We signal that to others. Um, we're going through things. Um, and I think it's interesting. Sometimes, you know, you meet people in, in religious um, culture that, that try to pretend as they go through suffering that they're not angry with God, that they're fine, you know, that they're... And it's like, you know, it's okay. You know, it's biblical to actually say, God, where are you? Why are you asleep? Like, it's all throughout the Psalms. It's actually like biblical to say that out loud to him. He's a big guy. He can take it. And, and so uh, the disciples do that. They're like, where are you? Don't you even care? And it's interesting because this does not end like a very heroic story. Like you think these kind of stories, you think, oh gosh, Jesus, he does calm the sea. Like it is a miracle. We're going to get into that. But it doesn't end in this heroic redemptive ending. It ends with a lot of tension. The disciples are like, Jesus, don't you care? And Jesus is like, don't you have any faith? And he's like, they kind of leave with this tension in the relationship. It's kind of like this moment where they're like, Jesus knows the heart of men. He knows that these people are going to one day betray him. One of his best friends is going to betray him. They're going to leave him on the cross and abandon him. And I think somehow in the humanity of Jesus, Jesus is like tired and is like, you know what, I'm going to take a nap. And in the divinity of Jesus, he's like, you know what, the storm's not a big deal anyway. And he's like, they think it's a big deal, but it's really not, so I can rest. Um, <laughs> And, and I think that's true of our lives. Like, sometimes we're, we're like, Jesus, why are you so silent in the midst of my suffering? Don't you feel like this? Don't you see the storm is so big in my life? And Jesus is like, I'm silent because it's really not that big of a deal. It's really not. It's, I, I don't, he doesn't mean to be, you know, I expect Jesus to do something different. I don't expect him to be like, where's your faith, disciples? I expect him to be like, hey, grown fishermen, like, storms are scary. And I know, you're, I know you've been on boats before. And I know, but even though you're a big fisherman, guys, Storms are scary. You know, like, that's what I expect, like, nice Jesus to do, right? But he says, where's your faith? And what I think Jesus is doing here is he, he doesn't, exp- he knows suffering is hard. He knows storms are hard. He knows that they're, they're not easy. He's not pretending about that. But he's saying, I am asking you, in the midst of your storm, I'm asking you to choose faith over fear. That in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of this, I'm asking you to choose faith over choosing fear, because a lot of us are trapped by fear. 
And a lot of us are trapped by fear, and we're so fearful of things that will never even happen in the future. And the thing that we're trapped by is not the fear, the object of the fear, we're trapped by the fear itself. That, that, and, and Jesus is saying, in the midst of this moment, it's a call to choose faith. Do you have any faith? And then Jesus speaks and talks to the sea, and he says, peace, be still. Um, literally, be quiet and stay quiet. And the waves calm, and not only the waves, but the wind calms in this massive storm. And I, I think... I have a hunch that I think, um, I think Jesus didn't want to speak that to the winds and the waves. <laughs> I think he actually was wanting to speak that to the disciples. But he knew that they weren't going to listen. So he's like, well, I'm going to speak to the winds and waves, and they'll obey me. <laughs> and then you'll learn what you're supposed to do. It's in the midst of our fear, and it, it's, it's this double meaning that he's like telling, he's doing this miracle showing them that he is the Lord over nature, but he's also trying to show them, look, the winds and the waves obey me and follow me. What I wanted to speak to you, you couldn't take, so I'm going to speak it to them. And if you would submit to my voice in the midst of the storm, you would submit to my voice and listen to my voice, you'll know that I am with you, that I am, I am with you in the midst of the storm. Now, um, Jesus, again, it is a miracle. I don't, I don't think that there's so many parts of the stories that show the miracles of Jesus, but we can't miss like this moment that Jesus is calling them to the other side. Um, but it is, it is showing his divinity that like if Jesus was just a good teacher, he would be like, ah, freaking out too with him, right? If Jesus was just a good teacher in the boat, he would be freaking out. And so who are you following in the midst of your storm? If, if it's just to get a few principles from Jesus, and like get these principles from him, and like I'm going to take these principles from him and apply them to my life, that will not keep you anchored in the midst of the storm. It will not, it, it will, you basically wanting to be rocking by the shore very calmly with Jesus, but you're not willing to go through the storm with Jesus. And, and when he calms the storm, I think he's reducing their circumstances because of the lack of their courage. He's like, you know what? I'm going to like, you don't have faith that this is all going to work out. Um, let me reduce this because you don't have courage. The story could have went completely different. I just think, like, you know the Lieutenant Dan scene of Forrest Gump? He's like, come on, Storm! What do you have with this? Come and get me! You know, like, he could have been like, this is the ride of your life in this storm. We're going to the other side. We're going to be doing ministry together. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be amazing. Look this storm in the face. No, like, he, I think they could have done this completely different, not to undermine their reality and their suffering, but I think that um, I think Jesus is wanting to evoke strength from them. He's wanting to awaken them, the passion that is asleep in them. And, and he, he's, he's taking this moment that, that, to remind them, like, you are gonna, you're going to experience so many other people going through so much worse stuff. Like, you need to be able to connect with them. You need to be able to love them. Um, and so I don't know what this storm was like. I don't know if this was one of those moments where it's literally the like dying moment of their life. But there's also something I think most of us experience on a day-to-day -day basis, which may have been what this storm is. It's just those like small, trivial moments that just expound how bad we feel like it is, right? Like I have a friend who's uh, older and single, and he's like, you know, like there's just these things that happened to me. Just like I was locked out of my apartment and had no one to call. No one to call to, like, like who am I, where am I going to stay? Who's going to help me get in? It just ex 
expanded the fact that I'm like lonely right now. Or like I had a, a, a doctor's appointment, an outpatient surgery, like who am I going to call to like drive me home? I have to have someone drive me home. You know, these moments like, like or, or ladies, like you're like, I have no one to zip up the back of the dress for me right now. Like I would love to have that. Every time I put on this dress, it just reminds me that there's no one there to zip up the dress. Like I don't know what it is for you, but there's these little things in our life that just completely magnify how bad we feel like things are right now. And I think in the storm, Jesus is like, he, he's real, these disciples are realizing, like, I don't know, I feel bamboozled. This call, Jesus said, leave your nets, come follow me. It's going to be amazing. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to have a great ministry. You're going to be with me. And they're like, I thought this was, this was not the picture of following Jesus that I thought it was going to be. This is not what I imagined my, the best life would look like. And so major storms are going to happen. We're not exempt from them. We're all going to face them. Um, and I think, like, I, I don't know about you, but for me, like, it's sometimes liberating just not to be the, the person that's expected to be superhuman, to be a real person that needs Jesus. And I think sometimes it's really hard for us, to be honest, to just be a real normal person that just needs Jesus too. And a lot of us, it's so much easier for us to be the helper in the storm than it is to be the one needing help in the storm. And I think for many of us, it's, uh, it reminds me of like, have you guys ever done a, if you've been in a church, there's, we do these things called foot washings, right? Where we mimic, we model the life of Jesus and we wash the, someone else's feet. I like the foot washing, right? Like, I don't mind washing somebody else's feet. Like, I like the fact that I get to like, you know, it's a, it's a way of tangible love. I'm okay, with, but I'm not okay with someone else washing my feet. Like, someone touching my fuzzy toes or another guy touching my fuzzy or whatever, you know, it's just like, hey, like, I don't like that. I don't want someone else holding my feet, but it's transformative when we let someone else wash our feet. These disciples will later be at the Lord's Supper and Peter will say, no, 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 Jesus, never can you wash my feet. And Jesus, what does he say to Peter? If you don't let me wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. And, Jesus, and for us today, in our comfortable north side context, I think Jesus is saying, let's go to the other side and let other people wash our feet. Let's go to the other side and learn to be served and loved by someone that you least expect. Someone that you think you are going to serve, but actually you're there because, so they can serve you. So they can wash your feet. Jesus doesn't, doesn't say in that moment, like, hey, Peter, I get it. You need some space. You need some distance. I'm not going to wash your feet. Sometimes we have to let someone, in the midst of suffering, like, we've got to let other people in to wash our feet. We have to let community in and be, like, realizing we're vulnerable. And, in, and we have to let people see us in a raw place. And when you're in that place and you're really suffering, you really can't pick and choose who loves you anymore because you're in a, such a desperate space. You'll, you'll take whatever you get when you're at the bottom of the bottom. And I think for many of us in the midst of our suffering, if we let those kind of people in, if we let Jesus in on our life, um, he's going to show us that, like, man, like, you, you need others. You don't have to carry it anymore. And that following Jesus is not about the perfect life that you meant that it would be, this sense of whatever your vision was, to have a big bank account or to have a certain kind of house or to have the life you thought. But there's something, if you allow yourself to be broken, you will have something so much better. 
a life of grace, a life of peace, and a life of fresh air that will be more transformative than from before you went through suffering. And as cheesy as it sounds, there's something I think in us that when we go through something, suffering, there is something, a treasure in us, the treasures and jars of clay that will only come out through suffering. That there is some part of our character that God has put in us. There's some part of, of, of life in us. There's a piece of, of good news and redemption that Jesus is doing in us through the world that will only come out through suffering. There's no other way that it will come out. And so he's saying, I want you to go through the storm because you were called to go to the other side. So what is, as I close, just a couple of things. Um, what is the other side that God's calling you to? Who are the, the other, the outsider, um, the people who would actually cause trouble with the in-group and the home group if those people were here? Um, I don't know about you, but as I've small steps to engage the other side, um, there's people in my life that observe my life from afar, and um, they don't understand. They, they, they may judge me for loving the other side. They may judge me for, for wanting to embrace the other side. And so my question for you is, like, what's the price that you're willing to pay to go to the other side? What's the price that you're willing to pay to love on the other side? Are you willing to look to God for deliverance in the midst of that price? And many of you are in the midst of loving the other side right now. My question is, where does your help come from? Where does your help come from in the midst of as you're seeking to love the other, as you're seeking to go to the other side, and you're in the midst of the turbulence, does your help come from God, or does it come from other sources that run dry? Um, I love the story of, uh, I was reading uh, Pope Francis's uh, biography, and he talks about when he was a young um, priest and being trained to listen to confessions. His mentor just had this utter mercy with confessions, would hear these brutally honest um, confessions and just have complete, utter mercy. And Francis uh, would hear these, like, all day, deepest, darkest secrets and have to, like, show compassion. And he would hear these and walk off and pace back and forth and be like, God, are you serious? Like, he would question himself. Am I doing the right thing? To be this gracious to the things that are being said to me, the confessions and the sin and the horrible things done, like, and for me to respond with such grace and compassion, is that right? He would wrestle with that, like, is this really what I'm supposed to do? And at the end of the day, I love what he says. He goes, God, but you gave me the bad example. You gave me the bad example. I love that. That, like, you gave me the bad example to love with such reckless compassion, such, such kind of love that will be deemed as crazy or absurd or not right. Jesus, you gave us that example to love like that. And so when you feel that way, when we're on the other side, like, if your journey doesn't take you to the other, if it doesn't take you to your enemy, to someone different, we have to ask the question, are we really in the boat with Jesus? If it doesn't, if that, if your journey doesn't take you there, we have to ask, are we even really on the journey? So I invite you uh, to consider the love of God that goes to the other side. See the dignity in every person and know that your storm that you're going through right now it might just be breaking you up and breaking you open to love others and to have compassion with others in a way that you never would possible. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you so much for your example that you recklessly love these disciples um, 
even though it didn't appear like it. It appears that you're asleep, and you were asleep. And I don't, I don't know all the reasons why we go through what we do, but I do know that, I do know there's purpose to it. Um, it doesn't always seem like it. I do know that there's a God with us. And God, I, I think in suffering so many times, <laughs> God, we, we want to, when we're walking with someone in suffering, we want to fix it. We want to give them answers. And I think a lot of it is just to secure our own insecurities, that this could happen to me, that now I feel better about myself, or I walk away feeling like I helped someone, and they walk away feeling frustrated that they weren't heard to listen to. And I pray, God, that uh, we will see that you are present with us in our storms. And I pray that they would break us open to walk around this city, going to the other side, to the other, and being like, my God, the things you've gone through, the pain you've endured, can I learn from you? Will you wash my feet? Will you teach me? I have so much to learn because those in this room who've gone through great suffering, you have a lot to teach us. You have a lot to offer. And if you are in a season of suffering right now, God wants to take your greatest pain and turn it into your greatest passion. To go to those on the other side and say, I've been here before and I want to listen. I want to be here with you and love you. So God, would you show us uh, the great mercy and love and compassion to love others well, to love the other, those that we deem um, farthest away.